Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm in L.A., Kara, as evidenced by my cool sunglasses and the spleef in my mouth right what now. What are you talking about? I'm in L.A. Really? Los Angeles. Why are you there now? What do you, where do you, you never sit still, Scott Galloway. You know, a Rolling Stone has no something. I forget oh, what it's called. okay. All right. Okay. Um, by the way, I'm going to molest this thing called Earth once we get the all clear. I'm, oh, I can't. No, I used to no, hate to no. travel. Now I can't <laughs> wait. Anyway, I have never been. Yeah. I have never enjoyed something as much uh, that I'm this unsuccessful at as Los Angeles. Really? Why? Yeah, Why well, are you there again? What is the? You're just there for Bill Maher, and then you left, and now you're back. No, I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be a consulting producer for some Netflix show, and because I got associated with it, it's now blown up. This is the we. This is WeWork or what? No, this is GameStop. <laughs> oh, GameStop! Oh, right, you told me about that. Yeah, and uh, I'm now I'm now toxic. If I get attached to a project, it's doomed to oh, fail. Oh, so glad so we I, just signed our Vox deal. Then, oh dear, we just announced it this week. Well, <laughs> should, I, should I run? Don't for hold the your breath. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I gotta so, run for the hills. I think. literally every time I come here. By the way, I just absolutely love it. I love it here. I come here. I do three or four meetings with very credible, important people that my agent sets up with, and they all yeah. say the same thing. They all look me in the eye. Yeah. After we have just a brief discussion, you go to their house, I guess, which is yeah. the ultimate power plant in LA. Yeah. And they look me in the eye and they're like, you are a genius. Oh, we no. must yeah. work together. Yeah. And I walk out thinking that was the best meeting I've ever had. Yeah. And then what happens? Nothing. Crickets. Crickets. Literally. They love to do that. That's I why I don't never, go to LA. I, mean, I have I never LA. made That's a dollar in LA. I don't yeah. think I've ever made a, my agent, I'm yeah, the worst client of my agent. They love themselves to your intelligence and tell you how smart. I have had those meetings too. Do you remember Fontaroff <laughs> where they did that, where they brought him in and said, Vince, you remember they did the whole thing? Oh, yeah, that guy made money. Yeah. I, I, I've literally, I've never, I don't think I've ever made a dollar in Los Angeles. I, I come know. here a lot and I love it. Like I'm, I Actually, was skiing. You know, have I? I don't know. No, we will. No. We will make a whatever. Dollar. Whatever it is we're doing, it doesn't sell in LA. I don't know. <laughs> well, it does. They like being around us because we're smart asses, and then they I just guess. don't do anything with I us. Guess. It's fun. Yeah, I don't think I, I was great paid time. when I was consulting to Silicon Valley. I don't know. Maybe I got to premiere. I, you're right. And they like to invent you their parties. That's the thing. They're like, I remember one big agent. He's like, "Do you like to come to my Oscar party?" And then named all these celebrities. And I was like, "No." 
And then, and then he had nothing else. He had nothing else to give me. Like, he was like, really? And I go, no, thank you. No, but I'm like a- this hybrid dog they show off. They take me to a party and they're like, this is Scott Galloway. He's a, He's a professor. He's a professor. <laughs> <laughs> like, they have professors ooh, there. Ooh. They got some professors, but ooh. you know. In any case, in any case, there's a lot going on, Todd. We got to move on from LA. Although I have to take a little stop over in Cuomo land. Did you see the latest one? His family oh, got God. special tests. Oh, Literally, what is this guy going to do? What is he going to be like? Is he going to be trafficking in PlayStation 5s next? What is going to happen is here? Is that a bigger m- crime in your mind? Says I the don't father. know. Says just the like, mother what of did two he boys? get access to or do? What bad thing could he do next? Like, bad, I don't know. For me, so it would be the, bad for, recycling. For our listeners, can you explain what happened yes, or why it's Andrew, a big deal? Uh, Andrew, Governor Cuomo, who is already under investigation for issues around creepy manness um is i think which is a legal term legal that term. is a legal term creepy <laughs> creepy manness um he's also being looked at for nursing otherwise homes, known as men how he handled <laughs> Sorry, elderly people in nursing homes during covid and misrepresented some numbers about deaths essentially so essentially creepy oh, ropiness and senior killing uh essentially the two things and now it turns out that he sent uh health officials from new york to the homes of his family including his brother chris cuomo to test them and then rush the tests using state troopers to get to uh, to get them to you know if you remember in the early days when testing was like where can I get a test um, now of course nobody wants a test but uh, but it was very hard to get it you and I were confused about the whole thing like how do you get the test what are the good tests what are the bad tests and so it seems like a long time ago but it was a real problem and he was sort of facilitating. Uh, the situation. Now, what's really interesting is when I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what is this next thing? Like PlayStation 5. I think I made a joke about it. And it was like, well, every governor does it. I'm like, you know what? This guy, what about is him with this guy? This guy keeps piling on the shitty behavior. His brother, Chris Cuomo, I think he's really in big trouble. I mean, it's just really, he was reporting. I know he had COVID and stuff, but he really, it's just, it's not a good look for anybody. And his whole, like now his whole bro thing uh, on TV, which was adorable at the time, is quite unadorable. Uh, I don't know, Scott, what do you think? Well, I mean, first off, you and I being confused about something doesn't mean it's it's unusual. Um, uh, you said you were confused about testing. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't, to be blunt, I, I think we're in the pylon stage. I don't think that's that big a deal. I do think a yeah. lot of governors probably leverage their position of power just to justify. Good. It's not a pylon, it's just more. The, oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's not a pylon. It's just more. I mean, wh- why not, why give him an out on these kind of behaviors? It's well, like I, I, I agree, but everybody, everyone is now saying, "Oh my gosh, can you believe the governor leveraged his position as as the head of the you know second largest yeah. state in the union to get access to early testing?" I don't. I don't. Quite frankly, I yeah. would be shocked if the majority of our political leaders have not committed a similar infraction around testing. Uh, but anyways, Chris Cuomo will be fine. Because he's dreamy. Chris will be fine. He's dreamy. With vaccines. Yes, I get it. I get it. Chris will be fine. He's dreamy. And he's in the media. And you're right, the whole bro thing. It's the governor. They'll get all the heat. Chris is fine. It'll be interesting to see what the governor does. Uh, What's interesting is still the majority, I believe, of New Yorkers uh, and Democrats don't want him to resign. Yeah. Uh, So it'll be be interesting. But yeah, it's uh, anyway. So you think it'll go away for him, all this stuff? No, I think his political career is the present value on emotion and scandal is mm-hmm. so high. The discount rate is so high. And that is in the moment, yeah. it just feels like these individuals will never recover. Yeah. And a lot of them do. Yeah, I um, agree. So, I agree. I, so, have, I said that about him. I said he's not resigning when everyone thought he I was like, absolutely not. He's going to brazen it out. He's a brazen person. So he'll brazen it. But so I don't think he resigns. Um, but the, the thing again that. Uh, 
and, and the lesson here is that you don't need friends when you're right and you're popular. You need yeah. friends when you fuck up. Yeah. And he doesn't have anyone now. He, it's just clear. All the stuff's come out. He just hasn't made very many friends. Yeah. Anyway, we'll brand see. Brand Cuomo. What would be the brand thing you would say to him? Uh, look, a crisis, again, the other lesson here is crisis management. Only three things you need to do in a crisis. You need to acknowledge the problem. You need to take responsibility. And you need to overcorrect. And he has actually acknowledged the problem around the, the creeping man manness. He hasn't he hasn't acknowledged the extent of it. He hasn't kind of said mm -hmm. this was totally inappropriate, or you know, he hasn't he has he has acknowledged he has acknowledged the issue and said that these women should be heard. He's made some of the right moves. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's really taken responsibility for it, and he definitely has not overcorrected. Yeah. Um, but those are the really the, the basics of all crisis management. And these, the, what's strange is during crises, sometimes it's a huge opportunity. It Jeff is. Bezos it, turned a crisis into a brand building event. Right, right. Um, I mean, and, and what would be described if you just looked at what uh, uh, had happened to Jeff and Jeff's actions, and you didn't know how the public was going to react, you might think it was over for Jeff Bezos, yeah. the CEO of Amazon. Instead, yeah. it became a brand-building event. Yeah. So what would you do if Team Cuomo, what would you advise them to do right now? What's the move? Uh, I think he— uh, Apologize more. Yeah, yeah, I think he has to come out and say, look, this is totally inappropriate. Um, I'm putting in place serious law. I'm holding myself accountable. Um, I, you know, I, I, I just wouldn't put myself in that position. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I know. Tim Cook That's would. a very Tim Cook answer for you. You know, I just wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's, he's got to get back to focusing on coronavirus, um, put in place independent commission, you know, say, let, let the chips fall where they're going to fall, uh, listen to these women. And then, you know, try and be a really solid governor for the rest yeah. of coronavirus. Yeah. I think people will be surprised how far, how fast yes. it fades. As long as it doesn't continue. Although, look, at Trump had one thing after the next and he continued. He just well, kept... You know what? That's such an interesting point because yeah. here's the thing. If you're accused of sexual harassment, you don't want to be accused two or three times. You want to be accused 30 times. And that's yeah. what's so sad about our society. Yeah. Is that if it just becomes... Uh, a torrent of information. Everyone just sees it as one thing and starts to become numb to it. Mm -hmm. numb. If 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 President Trump had just mocked a disabled person and for the rest of his presidency had seemed somewhat dignified, that would have done huge damage. Yeah. But because he was doing something awful every 24 hours, it became part yeah. of his brand and we became numb to it. Numb. He numbed us. And I think that's the same play. I think this is the playbook he's using here. Uh, I, I know there's going to be Kara? more cascading. There's going to be so much more. There's going to be other things he's found out to have done. And it, all of them will now bubble up from the toxic waste dump that is. Well, everyone, everyone now, everyone's going to remember things he did and come forward. And unfortunately, I think our society, uh, you know, awards virtue points to people who want to say nice things about him when he's popular and awards virtue points to people who want to say negative things about him when he's very unpopular. I mean, the yeah. momentum around the media is incredible. Yeah, it is um, interesting. Speaking of momentum, there's yet another um, uh, big tech misinformation hearings underway in Congress. The CEOs of Facebook, Twitter, and Google all published their opening statements. Uh, Jack Dorsey focused on internal tools like Birdwatch and Sundar Pichai warned of the dangers of full repeal of 230. Mark Zuckerberg took a really interesting tack and talked about Section 230, but his proposal would make Section 230 conditional on companies maintaining a system to remove illegal content. I wonder who has money to do that. He wrote, instead of being granted immunity, platforms should be required to demonstrate that they have systems in place for identifying unlawful content and removing it. Uh, interesting. 
interesting. We're going to talk more about it after on Monday, but thoughts going in? You you take this one. I, I have some thoughts, but you're, you're closer to it and you've been doing reporting same old, around same this. Same old, same old. I think nothing's yeah. going to happen. There should be a lot of, how, did you do this? And then them saying no, or I, I, I was going to pay one of the political uh, operatives there up on Capitol Hill money, Bitcoin, if they would actually get one of them to admit they had any culpability in the in the attack. So I just don't, I, I nothing, 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 honey. That's what I say. Wouldn't you love it though? Wouldn't you love it if one of them got up there and said, so, okay, so this is what we do. We have determined, we have determined that the most damaging, most insidious content actually creates engagement because our, our species is really flawed. Mm -hmm. So we have these algorithms that figure out not only misinformation, but misinformation that rages, enrages people. And then we promote that content. Yeah. And then we use all sorts of delay and obfuscation so we can run more ads d distinct, distinct of the incredible damage it does. And we are now spending more on lobbyists because all of you sitting up there, despite the fact you're elevated from us, you make all these incredibly bold statements. You're the biggest whores ever on the planet. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, any, and not only that, anytime you say you hear a House Energy Subcommittee, you're like, yeah. oh, wait, energy and commerce. You're kind of like, I don't know if that's must-see TV. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would be shocked if they got a, they laid a glove on them. I just don't. I just think it's just not, it's a non-thing. We'll see. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of activity going on in all these areas. It's just they rely on the slowness of Congress and the, the inaction of Congress. And I think that's really what's going to go on. It, it, it's just a kabuki situation. They'll take a little bit of their, they'll take a little insults. A couple of Democrats will yell at them. And what's interesting is a couple of people who voted uh, for stop, uh, you know, who, who tweeted about, who tweeted about stop the steal, et cetera, and availed themselves to the tools of these people and then voted against uh, uh, Donald Trump being impeached are going to be questioning them. That's my favorite part, which is like, oh God. Did you see that big tech is now the largest spender on lobbying yes. in the history of, I don't yes. know, the planet? Yes. Yes. Isn't I mean, that crazy? this whole thing is just, let's see if they lay a glove on them. We'll see if they actually do anything. And I doubt that is the case. I mean, I hate to say that about Congress because they have an ability to do something. Um, uh, you know, but it just, you know, they just think the techies are in charge now. I just do like, right. You know, like Elon um, announcing you can buy uh Tesla with Bitcoin, of course, he will keep the Bitcoin. So he's sort of elevating Bitcoin, which he just invested in and using his cars. Someone said it's the world the, that, that Tesla is now the world's largest uh, mining, Bitcoin mining factory going. I don't know. It's just they can do what they want, it feels like. Yeah. It's, um, they look, they play by a different set of rules. And it all goes back to a very basic thing. And that is, we as a species mm -hmm. are, are uh, you know we have a brain that's so big we have to be dispelled prematurely from from our mothers mm -hmm. and uh, the brain is so big it can ask us these incredible questions but it's not big enough to answer them and so into that void has slipped a super being a god yeah and then as a as a nation becomes wealthier and more educated its reliance on a super being declines but that void gets bigger and bigger and into that void steps the nearest thing that feels mystical yeah that you can ask it anything and it sends you back an answer to your query that it connects you with other people and that is technology and so yeah. we provide technology its shareholders its ceos and the industry with a level with just an entirely different standard an entirely different standard for what we would have held other industries to 
Well, we will see if they do anything about it. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, eventually, you everybody gets their theirs theirs eventually. Maybe not, but in this case, not today. Not today. I would I would love it to see something significant, but this again is all just theater. Um, and these hearings, especially because they're on Zoom, they're not quite as dramatic um, as they might be in person with all the pictures, except you know all that, you know the the, the big tables and photographers and this and that. I guess I kind of like it on Zoom because you sort of see what it is. I thought Zephyr Teachout had the best tweet about what they should ask Which Mark Zuckerberg. What? And that is, they know they know how much every brand and every story is has uh, what the profitability is and how much revenue it's generated. Yeah. They know, and they should be asked, how much money have they made off of QAnon? Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we really have to get together on this. I'm going to read us a quote from Abraham Lincoln that I heard last night on this amazing uh, documentary that CNN did about Abraham Lincoln's life, which I thought was quite good. And I learned things that I didn't know. This was his last, uh, one of his his message to Congress. It was uh, narrated by Sterling Brown, who's an amazing uh, actor. And he read it better, let me just say. But this is this quote is exactly what they should think about right now. We can only, uh, we can succeed only by concert. It is not, can any of us imagine better, but can we all do better? The dogmas of the quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulties and we must rise with the occasion. As our case is new, so we must think anew new and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves and we shall save the country. I find you disenthralling. I am. I find you disenthralling. I no, find disenthrall means, I, Amanda told me this because she's a word person. It's a, de-enslave ourselves from this. We need to Whoa. de- we need to enslave. I know that, but it's just, that's what it means. And so uh, let us just say we need, Congress needs to, to disenthrall. We need to disenthrall ourselves from these tech companies. Thank you. I like it. He was Thank talking you, about Abraham. a bigger issue, obviously, the, the Civil War, and and get moving moving past it and getting together as a country. But in this case, people don't people don't realize we spend seven hundred billion on the military. About half a you could argue it's really half a trillion because that includes things like mm-hmm. veteran affairs. But we still spend more than the other ten largest spenders combined, and six of those ten are our allies. So it's just incredible how much money we spend. And I think the way to get Republicans thinking about this is to say, okay. Think about all that money. Uh, the greatest threat to our military Seven. isn't some super weapon. The greatest threat to our military is Russia's continued ability to divide us internally and use these platforms and a general flaw in, I think, our society where it's become so divided because as we become so internally divided and have to focus so much on our internal problems, yeah. we that ignore and turn away from- you made there from Abraham Lincoln to military budget to tech people. I like it. I'm disenthralling you're us. Very, anyway, you're so, very, LA makes, even though it's superficial, makes you very deep. All right. We had no, it's to because, move. <laughs> it's because MedMen delivers. But anyways, <laughs> let me finish my deep thought. All right. Because we want a big story. But basically, the biggest threat to our, our military yeah. is misinformation, misinformation catalyzed and spread by social media Indeed. platforms in the US because we don't pay any attention. We don't have the bandwidth. We're so busy figuring out how, you know, who's right, Ted Cruz or... No, Elizabeth Warren, right. that we don't focus on what Russia is doing to create a buffer, a new buffer in Eastern Europe with Ukraine. We don't, uh, you know, we don't have enough bandwidth to talk about human rights violations. You are correct, sir. That is a very deep and important point from Los Angeles hotel room where you just had room service. Anyway, that's right. Here, here's the big story. 
Microsoft, speaking of light things, Microsoft is in talks to acquire Discord, a social media app for video gamers. It's a pretty cool social media app. It's been used for a lot during the pandemic. The deal, which is not official, could reportedly amount to over $10 billion. Discord has 100 million active monthly users and has, of course, gained popularity in the pandemic. They're using it for all kinds of other things besides gaming, books, and talking, and this and that. Um, it's been a huge year for video gaming companies, and Microsoft has bolstered much of its gaming business with acquisitions. In September, it bought uh, Zenimax Media, the parent company of several large gaming studios. Studios for $7.5 billion. Now, we're not gaming experts, but this is a really, this is interesting. Microsoft seems very canny these days. What do you think? Because of Roblox, there's all kinds of things going on in the gaming industry. But any thoughts, Scott? Uh, so the, the, the best acquisition of 2020, and mm-hmm. I don't like the company, but it was the best acquisition of 2020, was when Uber acquired Postmates and Diversified Away. Mm-hmm. They turned the pandemic into, from a bug into a feature. Mm-hmm. And they diversified, and basically the platform, a platform that coordinates vehicles to transport something from point A to point B, and it doesn't matter if it, you're going to dinner, if the person in the back is going to dinner, or if the person in the back is dinner, but they've diversified. I thought that was a brilliant acquisition. Mm-hmm. The best acquisition of 2021 is this one. Ah. And when you read more about it, it just, I mean, this calls on so many a really key business trend that Satya Nadella clearly gets, and that is the most accretive business action in history is, and I know you're sick of me saying this, moving from transactional episodic revenues to recurring consistent revenues. Rundle. The I'm rundle, never right? sick of the rundle, Scott. Anyways, never. people don't talk about it, but the most the most powerful rundle in the world is a B2B rundle, specifically Microsoft Office into the enterprise. Yes, indeed. You got to imagine 99.7% of all corporations with more than 10 people pay recurring revenue fee for Office to Microsoft and for the enterprise. And it's consistent. If you renew, that means you're in business. Or if you don't renew, it means you went out of business. So it's 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 the most powerful B2B bundle in the world. Now let's talk about the most powerful B2C ones. There's Amazon Prime, there's Netflix. Uh, Apple One now has 23% of their revenues from a recurring revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna have one company that has a top 10 rundle. One is B2B and one is B2C because they will tack this onto their Microsoft or their Xbox games plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, Discord has a Nitro plan, $9.99 a month, $100 a year, and they will end up with one of the 10 biggest consumer rundles. So Microsoft will be the only firm in the world that has two of the top 10 rundles, one B2B and one B2C. And I think this will probably, probably make Microsoft again yeah. The most valuable company Valkyrie. in the world. Now, what's interesting is this is so social. Microsoft never was the very, they made investments in Facebook and others, but this has become such a, you know, I have kids who play video games and it's so social. It's such a social, like my Isn't kid it crazy? was playing Animal, uh, yeah. Animal Crossing last night. Um, there's all ki- there's so much sociability to it. And Discord, I think, has done a nice job here in terms of, uh, and also beyond just games, they've done other things. It's creating a community. And this it's where is people diff- went to talk about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, exactly. And so it's really interesting that it's sort of a, a, a much healthier social network in a lot of ways because yep. it's got a it's got a goal, I guess. In this case, gaming or or whatever they happen to put into it. Um, but I think it's perfect for uh, for Microsoft as an add on to the games that are because it owns Minecraft, it owns a lot of things, and so it has a it has a it sort of dominates this area. And I can't, you know, I guess you know uh, Sony, PlayStation, and everything else, but that still doesn't have the same cohesiveness here. And I like the cohesiveness of what they're doing. Well, it also taps into the other, the, the kind of fourth big tectonic shift in our economy, and that is dispersion. Mm-hmm. Because oh, dispersion. it's an underlying platform for game developers to develop games and then go direct to the consumer. Mm-hmm. 
And that is, that's the same as, you know, kind of the same platform or strategy as Roblox. Mm-hmm. And that is, in my view, that is the, that is what, you know, Bitcoin's all about or crypto. It's basically saying, how do we take out the traditional channels of distribution that are creating friction and unnecessary expense? And also nothing, nothing works in terms of consumer preference and product development like the consumer. So rather than trying to f- figure out what an agent who tells me I'm a genius or a producer and gets in my way of millions of people being able to appreciate the dog. Mm-hmm. Instead, <laughs> instead, you have now these new platforms. You're there, you're, you're there to kill your agents, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> They're really nice people. Yeah. I, I can't figure out why I'm, anyways, anyways, they make no money off of me. I don't get it. Anyway, so, but the, these platforms, right? What's so powerful about Roblox is the, they say, okay, we'll create a platform for creators similar to what TikTok's doing, similar. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all around the same thing. It's all, whether it's telehealth, it's all skipping traditional channels of distribution or supply chain to add more value to the end consumer or create, uh, award more of the spoils to the uh, original creator. So should, should, should Microsoft buy Roblox? They bought GitHub, uh, you know, it, it's moving into these really interesting, I, I, I feel like I'm not smart enough to understand what he's doing here. It doesn't feel random, like some acquisitions gotcha? do. Yeah. So he's oh, got this GitHub is, uh, over here. He's got, you know, they've got all kinds of different things that they're Yeah, but if they at. have the largest gaming rundle. Yeah, yeah uh, they do. Uh, that, and they not only have the traditional the traditional studio model where they produce games and put mm-hmm. up, you know, $100, $200 million behind devices. a huge game. And then they also have this community-driven game platform. Um, that's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Really powerful. I think... You're right. Microsoft is just kind of, they've done such a great job of keeping a low profile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, they're really uh, incredibly impressive the way they've handled themselves. I feel like I have to go see him have him explain to me what he's doing. You know what I mean? Because he's such a like calm guy. Um, yeah, it would be likable. interesting to see, but they are definitely doubling. He's very good at doubling down in the areas they're good at. You know, the one the one miss I think that they had was with Skype. They really didn't leverage that in the way uh, that they might have. They've been pushing heavy into Teams and other things around the pandemic and using it. And I've seen it being used more for sure. And I know it's been growing, um, but they certainly um, it's certainly an area that they uh, and they probably should have gotten Slack, I would guess, rather than uh, Salesforce. Um but they they've definitely moved into areas, and that Skype is the only area I see where they didn't really and and do as much as they should have in things that are naturally theirs. I don't think they could have gone after Slack because they have a great product with Teams. They did at one point, but go ahead. Yeah, and instead they developed Teams, and Teams actually has a higher NPS than Slack. And not only that, if Slack didn't work, I think they would be accused of a yeah. aqua kill, and I think that would raise a lot of alarms. Yeah, Anyways. true. Fair. We think Satya Nadella is brilliant right now. All right, Scott, let's yes. take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the trouble for young bankers at Goldman Sachs and a listener mail question. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magic. 
stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Scott, we're back. A survey out of Goldman Sachs showed that the first year employees were working an average of a 95 hour week, which is not a surprise to me. Let's talk about what this means for young people and the company. The survey started circulating the internet last week and reported that all the respondents had the job, said the job had negatively affected their relationships with friends and family. 77% said they had been uh, victims of workplace abuse. I'm not really quite sure what that means, but uh, you know, you've been in this position. I, I know a lot of friends who certainly have back in the day. And it was, it's, it's not a surprise that it's continuing, but maybe it is a surprise. Scott, this is your area. I I find this fascinating. So my first two years out of UCLA, I was a Morgan Stanley in the analyst program Mm. and they prided themselves into a certain extent. We prided ourselves on, we just worked all the time. We worked around the clock and it was definitely abusive. Um, But here's the thing. And, and also mother of my children worked at Goldman for five years out of business school uh, so I think I'm very familiar with what uh, the kind of the investment banking culture when they're talking about whatever. First off, I think the survey was 13 people. So this isn't exactly academic research. And mm-hmm. it was all out of the San Francisco office, which I think is kind of interesting. Look, it, it, the wonderful thing about capitalism and the reason why it's the best economic system of its kind is it's inextricably linked to the notion of freedom. And that is you have the choice to charge what you think you can charge for a product. You have the choice to figure out or the freedom to figure out how much you should produce. It's not nothing centrally planned. You have a decision as uh, someone who can offer your human capital for rent to who to go to work for, to how much to ask for, to demand a raise and leave if you don't get it. There's a lot of freedom around these decisions. And when the, the, the free markets result in child labor or the spread of misinformation mm-hmm. or teens becoming uh, radicalized on a video platform, the government steps in to tweak, manicure, and regulate these externalities. Mm -hmm. And so when you have software that circumvents minimum wage laws, the government should step in as it did in the United Kingdom and rightfully say these are employees, not contractors. When our elections are perverted and the greatest democracy in the world is put at risk because of shareholder value, the government should step in and hopefully is. But here's the thing. There's two sides to this trade. Right. And these individuals that also came out at the age of 23 and 24 – are making about $130,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And so these individuals, quite frankly, have more options. If you're a 23-year-old who got a job at Goldman Sachs, you have more options than perhaps any individual in the world. And here's the thing. If you don't like the intense work atmosphere, and granted, if it's actually physically abusive, fine, then someone should step in. And I know the guys at Goldman, they will, if that's in fact the case. But there's two sides to this trade. And you've decided that you don't want quality of life or balance. You've decided that by the time you're 25 or 26, you want to leave Goldman and go make a half a million dollars working at a private equity fund. And guess what? Guess what? (laughs) That means having no life. In sum, my message to these 13 people would buck the fuck up, bitches. Oh, all right. Don't cry me a river for God's sake. That, like, okay, things have changed in the workplace. And, you know, I I think about, you know, doctors, my brother's a doctor and stuff. Like, there was the old culture is you're going to stay up all night and you're going to, it's going to hurt. It's abusive. 
It's, you know, and I don't know if you get to be better as a doctor that way. I think you get tired and possibly make mistakes. This was always my thing. I'm like, why are they exhausting you precisely? Um, And I don't think it's good for a doctor to be exhausted in general. Um, I get the idea of intensity. Absolutely. And I, I, I was thinking the other day that I, you know, I worked at the Washington Post and I did it myself. I made the trade, which was I stayed there 10 to 10, 11 o'clock every night. I just did. I sat there and typed and wrote as many stories as possible. And I I wouldn't, it wasn't abusive. It wasn't always nice, for sure, um, but I wouldn't say it was abusive, but I just loved it. And I knew that it would also hurt my friends and relationships, and it did to an extent, I think, probably. Um, But I sort of was making the trade. At the same time, um, I think there's a, a much different awareness in the culture about how the workplace should be. And that is something that I think it's very hard for people who are older who went through sort of the, the grind the grind and the mill to understand that others don't think this – is this how the workplace should be? Do we, is this how we get successful by grinding down our young people? And so I do think it should be – you know, on one side it can get a little too twee, you know, like how are you feeling or – I mean uh, – even now, I'm engaged. Like some stuff, it's like work life balance is mentioned all the time. Um, even no now, such thing. It, no it, such thing. I get that, but Sorry, I'm saying ahead. there are there are pressures on the other end that it might become more important, and whether young yep. people want that is really interesting. It's 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 definitely a push pull, much more so than it used to be. And you, you, there was never a question. It's like start typing that story, Kara. That's that. There was no, and there was never a question by me. At the same time, I literally, and every now and then you'd have a delightful thing happen to you where I remember coming out of the Washington Post uh, uh, at like 11 o'clock and the, the, the things were spinning, the printer, the printing presses were spinning so you could feel the whole building hum, which was kind of cool, um, you know, because they were actually making the paper. And I was walking out the exit, the, the exit that they have at night, and Ben Bradley and Lauren Bacall were walking in because he was giving her a tour. He was dressed in a tuxedo. She was dressed to the nines. And and he was like, hey, kid, did you finish the story? And I'm like, yes, sir. And then it was Lauren Bacall. And it was like, wow, this is amazing that I stayed up all night and did this work. I find it but more I amazing you're that old. But anyways, I, I know ahead. I'm that old. Nonetheless, I think there is a change in the workplace that if managers yep. don't pay attention to, point. could get in big trouble. So, so if, it's just, if it's just an abusive culture, right? So when I was at Morgan Stanley, you weren't allowed to leave. Literally, you weren't kind of as unwritten law. You couldn't leave before everyone senior to you, which was everyone had already left. Yeah. And it felt like once a week. So it was probably once every other week. I wasn't as, quite frankly, I just wasn't as good as the other analysts. I wasn't as well educated. I got a 2.27 GPA coming out of UCLA. And I decided that once every week, every other week, I'd go to work on a Tuesday morning and I would stay till Wednesday night. I wouldn't go home. I'd work through the night to show that I was strong and try and impress people. And that that type of behavior was rewarded. And there was an abused children's syndrome. And that is, I have a little bit of that. I've created some of that culture in my companies because I was abused. And the reality is that's not healthy. And you're right. And there's more recognition that just grinding people for the sake of grinding people and for bragging rights and some sort of corporate macho bullshit, that's unhealthy. But the reason why I think that these guys right now, or these men and women are working this hard right now, is that between SPACs and M&A, it is time to print money if you're an investment bank and the rains don't last forever. So yeah. I think a lot of this, I don't think this is abuse ch- child syndrome. I think it's they don't have enough resources and the general viewpoint as well. If we have an opportunity to do a deal, we are going to do a deal. And if it means you work 90 hours instead of 70 hours, 
But again, there are two sides to this trade. If they want to go to work for Deloitte or Ernst & Young and make half as much, they can have much more balance in their life. And my message to young people is this work-life balance stuff is a myth. There's only trade-offs. And if you expect to be making a half a million dollars a year by the time you're 30, which almost every analyst at Goldman does, get, you know, get used to it. Get mm-hmm. used to it. Tough love from Scott Galloway. <laughs> Easy for me to say. Room <laughs> service. Room I still service. think there's a lot more coming on this. I don't know. I just feel there's a lot of pressures anyway, and probably lawsuits, et cetera. All right. Uh, listener mail. We're going to listen to a question. You've got, you've got, I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hi, Kara and Scott. My name's Liam. I'm calling you from outside Boston. My question revolves around news consumption. I'm at the early stages of my career. I'm 27. And I'm curious how each of you consume the news today and how that's evolved over the course of your careers. I've really tried to make the switch from algorithmically served news in social media or news aggregators to going directly to the publishers I trust and choosing what articles I want to read. I'm also curious what percentage of the news you consume is directly related to your day-to-day work. For me, I only find it's 15 to 20%, and the rest is about becoming a more well-rounded person. Thanks so much, and keep up the great work. It's an interesting question. That's a great question. Scott? Mm, you go first. I want to think uh, about it. Well, I, I, I actually read the major news, news Wall Street Journal, uh, New York Times. How do you read them? You read them online? Online, on an app. Mm-hmm. And I read them a lot, like a lot, a lot all day. I also, I have to say, Twitter has become my news, go-to news yeah. place. And I just, it just is. It's a, it works, it, it has signal to noise ratio is excellent. And I find a lot of stuff I wouldn't have noticed. I wouldn't go, say, to the Atlantic that much. I just wouldn't, I just don't. Um, but I do see a lot of Atlantic stuff there. I see things I, you know, a lot of these sub stacks, some of them um, that I like, like Casey Newton is one that I really like. Um uh, and some others. So I do find them, and I wouldn't have necessarily gone to Casey's thing. I see him tweet it, and then I'm interested. Um, so I would say Twitter would be the place where I get on. I use, I consume so much news. It's crazy. And I do it for work, I guess. And also mm-hmm. my, because I love it. And, you know, I have a, um, a thing with Amanda where she's like, oh, you're going to, you're going to read your news now. I have to like, it calms me down at night to, to just, consume Twitter information. Some of it's just jokes and memes and stuff like that. What about it you? It disenthralls you. Um, yes, it disenthralls <laughs> <laughs> No, it enthralls me. Yeah, it's, it's it, so Hudson or whatever it was called, DHS, the most valuable retail per square foot in the world used to be those stores in the airport where you'd pick up your newspapers and your magazines and your candy and your water before you got on a plane. <laughs> and they're really hurting because people are no longer buying print before mm-hmm. they get on a plane. I used to love newspapers and now I find I, I have this emotional attachment and I pick up newspapers, but I never actually read them. Yeah. And so, yeah, Twitter, absolutely. I like those email things you get in the morning saying five things you need to know about the market. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is it's gone from broadcast. Like I think I just never watch television anymore unless mm-hmm. it's the Queen's Gambit. And I used to get, you know, used to get news from Dan Rather or whatever it was, or Peter Jennings, that that's just gone. And then it's no longer print, it's online. And it went to algorithmically driven. But you said something that fascinated me. You talked to someone, a survivalist or some, and they asked the question, what is the one thing you would take into- Blair Braverman. <laughs> the jungle or, or a remote area, you know, kind of naked and afraid kind of question. And I thought it was brilliant when she said another person. And I think about it now, the majority of the really good information I get is from other people. And that is, there's a group of people I work with who I just think are- incredibly smart and have their pulse. Maria Petrova, Dania Atia, Catherine Dillon, Jason Stavers, 
mm -hmm. uh, Mil Severio, and they will forward me an article. And when they forward me an article, I read it. Right. So I have my own kind of personal editorial staff. When we pass around notes for Pivot the night before, mm -hmm. I learn from that because I think it's interesting what you and Rebecca find interesting, right? And right. so I would say it's it's interesting. I've kind of moved to algorithm and then pass algorithmic to curation. And also if something's getting a ton of heat on Twitter, I click on it and I read it. Right, right, right. Rebecca, very briefly, what do you, how, how do you consume the news? I trust people. Like I find journalists that I like their work consistently mm -hmm. And I follow them. And when they elevate something or they have an opinion, I think similar to what so Scott Twitter. is saying is so like Twitter. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, Karen, I have decided that you clearly have too much time on your hands yeah. and we need you to work 95 <laughs> hours a week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that already. <laughs> no, no, yeah. This, is, this is the point where you say, fine, pay me $128,000 a year, bitch. That's, <laughs> yeah. Just let me put words in your mouth. All right. It's, it's tough when you love your job. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I hear what Kara was saying. Is like well, That was always hard for me. It's like when you love yeah. what you do, it's hard yeah. to find that trade But yeah, pay me $128,000 <laughs> oh, a goes. year. Good You're luck in. on that one. Okay. All right. Here's the From deal. From the Vox Media From Network. the Vox Media Network. Um, I have to say, getting back to both of them, I work all the time and I like it. I have, yeah, I don't, agreed. I don't dislike it, and I make the choice, and I work harder than most people, and uh, it's mostly everybody actually, and make more stuff, and I like it, and I make the choices for myself. Uh, so it's interesting, but not everybody does. Not everybody. But that's certainly. Uh, that's uh, that's the key point in there, and that is, I don't know. There are there are some people who have such genius that they can work forty or fifty hours a week while they're young and get to a certain level of economic success and relevance in their industry, assume you are not that person. <laughs> because I don't know, I, I know some really talented people. I don't know anybody who's achieved a level of success and relevance and economic security that a lot the of the time. people I know want to achieve that hasn't kind of given up a solid two decades to pretty much nothing but work. Yeah, And not then nothing. what I find is- not nothing. Well, pretty cool. I mean, when I look, I mean, when you really look back on it, when you look at hours. Yes. It's, it's, it's a lot. And, it's a and lot. by the way, there's nothing wrong with deciding that's not for you to yeah. moving to a lower, if you want to live, look, the bottom line is if you want to live in New York and, or raise a family in DC, you got to make a half a million to a million bucks. And the only people that can make that are people who are outstanding at what they do. And I've never met anyone that's outstanding at what they do that doesn't pretty much work all the time for a good yeah, two decades. That's an interesting question. When I had a stroke, actually, someone said, now you can work less. And I'm like, I'm going to work more. I love it. I like you won't, that old saying, like on your deathbed, you're not going to remember work. I'm like, I liked my work. I loved it. And I loved, of course, I have a very uh, big family and a lot of kids, but, and I love that too. But it was interesting, that old sort of trope. I love what I do. I love it. And I think Scott does. And I think you do. But but I've gotten there, though. That's what that's not mm -hmm. what, quite frankly, that's a better story. And I believe mm -hmm. it. Mine's not as romantic or as admirable. And that is at a very I, we didn't have any money growing up. And it was mm -hmm. me and my mom. And I noticed our lives weren't not, you know, could have been a lot nicer if we'd had a little bit more yeah. money. I became very economically driven. When my mom got sick, I, it really threw in my face that we didn't have money. And it was just uh, I've been just and I'm not proud to say this. I have been, I, I just decided at an early age, I am going to be economically secure. This yeah. is really important to me. It's a big driver for a lot of people. And I, I, those have been the embers that have burned. If I, I worry about my kids because my kids don't, my kids pretty much have everything. And if I were my kids, mm -hmm. the only two things I'd know I have in my life as an adult male would be a Range Rover and a cocaine habit. <laughs> so I don't oh know. God. Let me give you, let me reassure you. 
I grew up really rich, and I work, and my brothers yeah, work you're, harder you're, than anybody there else. There are people like you, and you're exceptional. And just, something there's something, and uh, Lucky did something there. It wasn't Lucky. Lucky lies around and like eats cookies and, and reads looks fabulous. Mesh. Yeah, he does have great fashion. <laughs> I'm just saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't worker. have that drive. I wasn't trying to find something yeah. I loved. I was like, that's it. Yeah, I am never going to be economically uh, uh, vulnerable again. I'm just. I'm not. just here to say, all rich kids don't end up like laid Agreed. and it's. So. But I'm what I'm saying is, it's really admirable. I yeah. think it's really impressive. I, I, I just wouldn't have been like, I wouldn't have been yeah, you. My mom was always like, why are you all working so much? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. Anyway, this is a fascinating Come to discussion. Barney's for lunch with me. <laughs> she did. That's exactly right. Why do you, what are you, what are you come doing? To Barney's for, come, to, come to lunch at Barney's <laughs> Same thing with my brothers. We we'll all go worked shopping, really Kara. hard and we didn't have Kara, to. Kara, let's go buy you a dress. <laughs> That's exactly. Make sure it's yellow. I hate yellow. <laughs> I had one discussion with my mother. I'm going to repeat this. She goes, she goes, she goes, I got you a yellow dress. And I said, I hate dresses and I hate yellow. And she said, no, you don't. That, that is what she the said. The buildup was better than that actual story, <laughs> oh, just so you know. <laughs> All right, Scott. I'm going to disenthrall you of the yellow I, dress story okay, being, being, being nice. Abraham Lincoln is brilliant. Everybody watch yeah, CNN. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln is brilliant. Uh, I agree. You CNN, got me there. divided we fall or divided we whatever stand. It you was so good. I I was shocked that it was so good. And Sterling, uh, Sterling is amazing. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. (laughs) 
Okay, Scott, prediction time. It's all your, it's the floor is yours. Uh, Microsoft will be the most valuable company in the world again. Okay. Uh, this oh, is the like only company in the world that's going to have a top 10 B2C and B2B rundle. That's where the world is heading. And also dispersion. They'll have both. They'll have the benefits of the huge studio game production industrial complex, uh, which still has value. They'll still put out these huge, you know, iconic games. And, but they're also, they've got a platform now for community. They missed the whole social wave. This might be their way to kind of get back in, but more elegantly. And tap into dispersion where you take developers and give them direct access to the end audience. I, I just think you just read, the more you read this thing, you're just like, this just, you know how occasionally you put on something and this never happens to me? Like, wow, this just feels right and I look good in it. I just keep reading about this. I'm like, God, this is just smart. This mm -hmm. is smart. Anyways, Microsoft, most valuable company in the world. I think we should. That's a perfect. That's perfect. That's a great prediction. Yeah, I would agree with you. They already had passed that and they go back and forth with Amazon and I think Apple. There's a couple of them up in the top there. But yes, I agree. I've always been surprised they've been the most valuable and there they are. But it, he's just very quietly done a very good job. The CEO, Tatcha Nadella. Not flashy, not fancy, but making a lot of good decisions. And let me just say, there were a lot of bad acquisitions Microsoft made for many years, if you recall all of them. Um, and so this is really interesting. And they, don't, they haven't attracted the attention of regulators, speaking of which, which we'll talk about on Monday, what happened in, in Congress uh, today, which is happening right now, which is probably zip. But anyway, we'll talk about it anyway. Okay, that's the show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Go to nymag.com slash pivot to submit your questions for the podcast. The link is also in our show notes. Scott, read us out. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. It was engineered by Ernie Intratot. If you like what you heard, please download, subscribe, recommend it to a friend. Also, thanks to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Box Media. We'll be back next week for a breakdown of all things tech and business, where we will disenthrall your asses. <laughs> Stop making fun of my hero, Abraham Lincoln. How dare you? more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.